This is the Beaver Tales Podcast with Josh Wharton, who has covered Oregon State athletics since 2013. Hi again, everybody, to another edition of the podcast where we talk with Oregon State athletes to get their memories from OSU and what they've done in life since leaving Corvallis and the life lessons they have learned since competing for the Beavers. Today, we've got Dustin Stanton. If you remember him on the football team from 2012 to 2016, you probably recall him playing offensive line. And he did start 30 games for OSU the final two and a half years of his career. He was a regular as a starter for Oregon State and finished out with a win in the 2016 Civil War. However, even though he's gone on to the NFL as an offensive lineman, he had no desire to be an O-lineman when he came to Oregon State. He wanted to be a tight end. He was the 10th overall ranked prospect out of the state of Washington when he came to play for Mike Riley. When I asked him about it, I thought, okay, it's going to be kind of a fun no do. You started out as a tight end, but it actually ended up being maybe the most compelling part of the whole conversation of how difficult of a process that was for him in terms of what he expected his career to be and how he really did not want to play offensive line. So to see him wrestle with that and what that's led to in life since then, perhaps a blessing in disguise was a pretty fun part of our conversation. You can hear also his whole life story since leaving Oregon State and the fun things he's been able to do and what his life philosophy is now for an Oregon State football player from just a few years ago. I also asked him if he wanted to give a shout out to any local businesses at Oregon State or restaurants that could use some free advertising. He said he always appreciated both the Peacock Bar and Grill and Claude Filters. So maybe check out one of those staples of Corvallis. I also like to give a mention to Food for the Hungry, a really amazing charity. If you check out Food for the Hungry at fh.org, you can see how you can bless a child overseas with improved nutrition, access to clean water, poverty-busting education, life-changing training for parents on how to care for their children. And it doesn't even take much money. You can sponsor a child for only $38 a month. So please consider checking out Food for the Hungry. And thanks for tuning in to the Beaver Tales podcast. Today's guest, Oregon State offensive lineman, current NFL player, Dustin Stanton. Thanks so much for joining me. And where am I catching you around America? Where are you spending the quarantine? Yeah, man. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. I am in Plano, Texas. All right. We'll get all throughout your NFL story and where you've bounced around a little bit. But let's start with how your Oregon State career concluded. Your final game as a Beaver was the 2016 Civil War. That had to feel nice to finish out your career beating the Ducks, huh? Yeah, that's it's always a, a W for the season when we get that win at the end. At the end, there you do you always want to play later in December playing a, a bowl game, but that win and the way that it went down that season was was just as good. So, and and especially for that season, it was the best way that we could have we could have finished. So it was it was a special game and moment, you know, when that when the the final buzzer went, especially for our offensive line too. That was a a pretty fun one for us. So it was, it was a good way to to go out with everyone. Talk about fun for the offensive line. I think it was 23 straight rushes to close the game. That's uh, that's the banner game for an offensive line. Yeah, yeah, it was incredible. That's the best feeling. Right, right up the middle, you know, down down their down their neck, down their throat. Yeah, it was it was it was special for sure. You come out of Marysville, Washington and Kyle Noback country, Jake Luton from the same area and you came in as a tight end actually that's how you were recruited that's what you practice as that's what you were 
at on the roster the first two years. How much did you have to change physically to put on the weight to be an offensive lineman, the skill set you had to develop, and overall the career that ended up being very different than what you anticipated? Yeah, it was a, a pretty pretty big 180. It's funny because my my dad played offensive line in college at Eastern Washington University. So I had a little bit of that like in my in my DNA, if you will. But I never I never imagined I'd be an offensive lineman. I was always more of a skill guy growing up, tall and skinny, really athletic. So yeah, I was I was recruited like in high school I played um, I went to a really small school. So it was one of those, you know, where you step on the field for a game and you're really not coming off. So I played both sides of the ball. I was a linebacker and kind of a stand-up. We ran like a 3-4 defense. So I was like an outside linebacker, stand-up DN sometimes, that sort of thing. And then uh, tight end was my main, my main position. So that's what I was recruited as in coming out of high school. It was uh, going into my sophomore season. Um, before, before that spring ball, um, the coaches came to me. Um, you know, we had a lot of offensive line guys go down with injuries. So we were short in that position in, in general. And so I was one of the younger tight ends. I was one of the more bigger one, like bigger frame tight ends. And so they came to me and said, you're going to switch positions. I was devastated. Like I really was at first. I was so against it because I was ready to go. I was ready to have my breakout season as a tight end. I was 250 pounds, like Jack, right? Like <laughs> feeling good. And um, in my mind, you know, my egotistical mind, it was you know, I caught, I caught the first downs, the touchdowns. I got, I got the ball. You know, I, uh, I impressed all the girls. It's like, what do you, what do you mean? I'm going to block for a living? Like, there's no way. They gave me like a, a week, basically, to kind of confirm it with them if I was going to switch positions. You know, in that week, I was thinking about transferring. I was thinking about quitting. I was pretty, I was pretty upset, pretty hurt with it because it was kind of like this was someone who I wanted to be forever. This was my goal to be a tight end in, in the Pac-12. And, you know, so it was, it was a little crushing. You know, for me, faith and football really do coincide together. That's kind of a, a, long, a long testimony and story with that. But uh, long story short is I decided to do it. To take on this challenge, went with it. I knew, I knew what I needed to do, knew how I needed to do it. I didn't know how hard it was going to be. And, and, you know, that transition was by far the hardest thing that I've ever had to do in my life. You know, I had to, like I said, I was 250, I had to gain, I had to be, you know, in my mind, I had to be at least 300 pounds to play offensive line in, in that conference. And so, yeah, it was tough. I was, you know, go through that spring ball and then the off season and even through fall camp, I was eating 8,500 calories a day training two, sometimes three times a day while studying entrepreneurship, which isn't a joke of a major, you know? And so I was up at, I was up at 5 a.m., went to bed at the earliest, like 11 p.m. for a long time. And looking back on it, it's, it's kind of amazing, like how, how it all happened and how I was able to do that. But I just had, it was my goal. I had, I had my, my eyes fixated on and, and visualizing what it could be, who I could become, um, and putting the team and, and my friends above myself, doing it for the program in general. But yeah, it was, I mean, it was the most rewarding thing to do. And I learned, I mean, I learned everything about myself. I grew up, I had to grow up pretty fast. I, it was a lot of integrity and really good character. But I mean, I would bring, it was funny because like Oregon State's a, as you know, like it's a university, but it's, you know, it's a small, it's a small town. It's like, if, it's a small school feel, and especially when you're in your major. And so I was in like business classes. And so you take like when you're when you're in a 
um, a focused major, you take a lot of the classes with the same people. And so it quickly became a joke. I would, I would bring like my backpack to all these classes, but instead of bringing out my books, and notepads and stuff, it was like a lunch every class. I would bring out like cold chicken breast and a Pepsi cup and uh, like peanut butter and, and jelly sandwiches and stuff. And just like every class, all class long be, be chowing down. So, um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately it was, it was the best thing that, that has happened to me. I mean, it led me, it led me down this road and this path. You know, I think I've been able to motivate and inspire a lot of people, which is, you know, why, why I do everything that I do. It's, it's been very, very rewarding. One of the most fun parts of these conversations I have with athletes is to look in retrospect at the things they didn't realize what was going on behind the scenes or what was happening. And at first, like you said, that, that was humbling for you. You wanted to be the guy catching the pass in the end zone. And it seemed like perhaps an insult or at least just something you didn't want to happen. And yet you turned that switch to offensive line into a starting gig for two and a half years in college. You've gone to the NFL as an offensive lineman. Who knows what life would have been like if you had stayed as a tight end? Would you have gone to the NFL? I, I don't know. Maybe you can guess, but it seems like as much of an insult as it felt like it was, it turned out to be a pretty big blessing. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of it, you know, was me trusting coach, Riley, Coach Kavanaugh, uh, Coach Mike Riley was the head coach at the time, and and Kavanaugh was the offensive line coach. One of the major reasons for me uh, even going to Oregon State was because of the coaching staff. A lot of that was just trusting that you know I get, I get kind of the business aspect and like you're going to do what's best for the team in general. But I, I did I did trust and and uh, talking to them since then, it was a move that probably would have benefited me the most as well with like playing time it really is crazy to think about you know and I always say like it like faith it always makes sense in reverse you know <laughs> where at the time it's like it's hard to it's hard to trust the process you know but um if you I think you, if you stay the course and you trust yourself and trust those around you and, and truly believe you can get to a place where you look back and, and it makes sense there was a play in 2017 and I know this was the year after you were gone but there, this was when Corey Hall was actually coaching, and there was a play drawn up for Fred Lawina where it was like a tight end eligible pass, and Fred caught it and nearly got the touchdown. You used to be a tight end. Did you ever ask the coaches, hey, I still got the hands. You got to draw up a play for me, a little trick play, and have me catch the ball. Did you ever have a play in the playbook or something like that? So we had a play. We had a few plays. We had, we had like two normal offensive plays, and then we had one for a, a fake field goal that we had drawn up from day one and it was a bummer because I, I really didn't want to get one in there uh during during my career and have you know one more touchdown maybe maybe I'll, maybe I can get one in the NFL because <laughs> the coaches here know that as well you know they, they know your track record and but I think I think part of why we never got to it was it just seemed like like we were never we were never on a winning streak and, and stuff like that so it was it was always so so serious and just you know making sure we're doing the the basic stuff right the everyday stuff right but we did have those up i'm sure they used the same one with fred <laughs> and i'm happy i'm happy for fred that he got it you know that's it was awesome it was awesome seeing that <laughs> speaking of a diverse skill set and things that can be helpful to your team and, and things that you know the opposition may not expect as we kind of move towards your post OSU career, you come in and 
uh, you're working out for a lot of teams, looking at the NFL draft, and you knew, you figured, even if I don't get drafted, I'm sure I'll get picked up somewhere, and, and, you, and you did. One of the stories I've heard about your pre-draft workouts is that your ability, and this is more, more of a silly story, but maybe it helped, is your ability to juggle helped in a, a meeting with the Seahawks and their offensive line coach, Tom Cable. Do you remember that and how that came into play? Yeah, that was I, – I went up twice – for, for workouts with them. One was a, yeah, they got it on film somewhere in, in the archives, me juggling. I don't know if it was, it might've been softball. He was either softballs or tennis balls while pass setting. Um, Cause he was, Cable was talking about how you gotta be smart. Like just what you said, like smart, uh, athletic, different skill sets. And you have to focus on multiple things at one time while you're pass setting. And so he asked during the workout and there was like, there was like four or five of us offensive linemen at this thing and he's like can any of you juggle and I thought we all kind of thought he was joking because he just kind of threw it in there especially when I'm playing football I'm just very transparent so like I just throw it out I was like yeah like I raised my hand right away and like everyone also kind of thought I was joking but then he handed me these three softballs or tennis balls whatever they were and told me to pass it while juggling and so yeah I was I was I was doing my pass sets during an NFL <laughs> workout juggling so and Pete Carroll, uh, he was kind of watching from where he was on the field, and they were all impressed, and it was just jokes because they all looked up to the camera and said, you know, the eye in the sky didn't miss that either. So, yeah, it's, fu it's funny the things, that, like the little stories like that. Juggling was a surprise in a pre-draft workout. I'm guessing no NFL team found a way to test you on your Rubik's Cube skills because I've seen you can solve one in under two minutes. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's another that's another fun quirky one. You never know. You never know. Sometimes they they uh, take you into the the film room and have you dissect plays or ask you questions. And the Wonderlick, that's another one that kind of tests your your knowledge. So who knows? It's the more you can do, right? That's the NFL in general. So <laughs> can't hurt. So you initially signed with the with the Bengals, and then most of your time, it looks like, with the Cowboys is what I've seen. Take me through a little bit of your timeline, um, where you're at now. You're in Plano, Texas. What's your future look like? If it's up in the air, if you know which team or who's been talking to you, take me through a highlight of what your NFL career has looked like so far and what's yet to come. It hasn't been normal, to say the least. It's, there's been a lot of ups and downs. And again, faith has been the foundation for it. So I graduated from Oregon State. I signed as an undrafted free agent coming out of, of Oregon State with the Cincinnati Bengals. I moved there as soon as I could to uh, start training and getting ready. Spent the uh, fall camp preseason with them and then did make the cut at the very end. Uh, so I got released. And then and that was, you know, that's, that was tough. Uh, that often, the offensive line coach, Paul Alexander, he, he was, he's one of the most uh, tenured guys, offensive line guys in the league. Him and I formed a really good relationship. And he was really pulling for me that whole time when I was there in Cincinnati. He liked what I had done there in the short amount of time, you know, and it's, it's tough. There's a lot of guys that you have to catch their eye to, to make the team or make the practice squad. And I just didn't, I didn't get enough of that apparently, you know, so that was tough because I felt like I had a great fall camp and, you know, the next day when you get released, um, if you don't hear anything within that, like 12, 24 hours, you're, I packed my one suitcase, uh, jumped on a plane, went back home to Washington, kind of with my tail tucked between my legs. Because, you know, like, you know me, I, anything worth doing is worth overdoing. So it was like, I gave it, I gave it my all. So yeah, I came, I came home to Washington and was on my parents' couch, basically, 
working out, staying fit, training as hard as I, as I ever have. And my agent was working, you know, he was doing great. The calls just weren't there from the teams. You know, the calls weren't coming in. And this went on for a few months. So, you know, I was like halfway through the season and, and no one was, no teams were, were, were ringing me up. That's tough for me to just kind of not, not doing much, just working out. I mean, I was working out twice a day, that sort of thing. And, and I was ready. I was ready to go. But it's hard. I felt like I wasn't doing much. So I started to kind of venture into looking into business opportunities and, and, uh, and jobs, basically, outside of the NFL. It got to a point where I was a, I was a little annoyed that no one was, was, was calling. And uh, I had this one of many really job offers from an HR software company called Paycom. Uh, it's, a, it's a huge, huge company. But the, the position that they wanted to hire me for was called a CRR, a client relations representative. And on paper, when the reason why it caught my eye was on paper, it sounded exactly what I would want to do when I was done playing, whenever that was, even if I had a 10 year career, because it was, it was stuff like uh, meeting with client, with existing clients, um, making sure they're happy, working with them and, and the HR software in general, taking them out to lunch, you know, stuff like that. So I, t I ended up taking that job and that was in Portland. You know, I, usually the hiring process takes over a month. I went through it in a week and a half. And this is a huge company. I mean, they're all over the, co the country. And I was the first hire that they ever hired without at least two years experience. So it was kind of like a big deal that I, I went through this process so so well and, and I kind of I killed it. So I thought this was just perfect. You know, this was where I'm supposed to be. I got set up and liked it for a few weeks, quickly found out what the company was all about, uh, which is more, you know, revenue, profits, and what my position was, which was more of a sales role for sure. Uh, and it was kind of pushing the the product on on the existing clients you know, we need, we need more money from you, that sort of thing. I met a lot of really good people in the job that I'm still great friends with today, but uh, I quickly figured out that this is not what I wanted to do. And so I was there for a majority of the rest of that NFL season. I think it was like five months total that I was there. And I gave it my all. I, I really did. I went back and forth. I turned down a postseason contract with the Seahawks. Uh, they, they called me they said there's there's a spot open on the practice squad for the playoffs. Uh, it's ready for you if you if you want to come up. And at the time, you know, I was still bad. I didn't know if I wanted to stay with Paycom uh, and keep giving that a shot because I just had quit one thing technically, like the NFL. Is that who I am? Am I a quitter? That's you know that sort of thing. So I was battling with all this these thoughts and 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 then the other thing was like I don't know how long the Seahawks are gonna are gonna be in the playoffs uh, there's no futures contract guaranteed in here for me so and the way that it happened was in a, in two weeks after that the Seahawks were done playing so I would have been I would have been out of a job basically unless they did decide to keep me on so it was stuff like that but you know at the end of the day I did turn down an offer from from the Seahawks to stay at this at this corporate America job in Portland and try to make the best of it but I'll never, I'll never forget, came across this quote, and it was someone, someone once told me the definition of hell, uh, and that's where on your last day on earth, the person that you are meets the person that you could have become. And that hit me like a, like a ton of bricks. Like that, that was the final 
decision maker. And I literally put the phone, like I put, I clicked off of whatever website I was on and I called my agent. I was like, cause we'd already been talking about like maybe coming back, that sort of thing. And I called my agent. I was like, I'm ready. You know, and I had been training like crazy this whole time for some reason. Like, I think in the back of my mind, I knew it was going to happen. Like I was, gonna, I was going to go back. So yeah, it was a crazy, like a crazy ride, that whole journey. But it was, it really taught me, you know, who I am, first of all, and, and what I truly want to do and how I don't want to quote unquote, you know, settle, settle in life, that sort of thing. And if I'm unhappy, I'm not going to stay at, at a place or at a job or, or keep doing what's, what's making me unhappy. So what ended up happening was um, a few, we were talking to a few teams, but Dallas had the most interest and they wanted to sign, you know, send me the, the two-year contract and I was all over it. And uh, Paul Alexander, the offensive line coach from Cincinnati had moved over to the Dallas Cowboys and um, him and one of the recruiters with the Cowboys um, had known, you know, had known about me for a long time. So they two kind of got together and were all about bringing me in for that ball camp and, and signing the two-year contract. And um, yeah, it was like, it was pretty quick, you know, uh, after the draft and everything that year, decided to do it, sign the contract, like literally uh, the next day was on a plane going to Dallas and I, I quit, I quit the job and um, like went after it a hundred percent, you know, and, and it was, it was tough. I mean, I talked to a lot of people about what to do. And at the end of the day, it's like, I think sometimes you just got to jump and, and trust so, uh, yeah, with Dallas, I was having, I was, I was playing great, great football. It was my first year really playing center, uh, during games. So I was mainly playing guard and center, both guards, a little bit of tackle. And I was doing great at center. I was, uh, uh, the second string for, for most of the time there. And, uh, yeah, I ended up with this, this, uh, this, in, this knee injury, which, uh, never, I've always had good knees, never any knee issues. It was just a fluke thing. Um, and really the past year and a half, that kind of brings us here. I've just been battling, uh, multiple surgeries to get this thing right. I, I, I battled an infection with it that happened after the first surgery. Um, so it's been tough. And I think I've been blessed with a, with a really healthy career. Uh, the, the biggest, before this, the biggest surgery that I had was a little scope surgery on one of my ankles just to take out some loose bodies. But I've, you know, I've broken fingers and toes and torn ligaments throughout my body, but nothing where, you know, I've, I never really missed a snap my whole career. I've always been able to play through stuff. So I kind of joke about it now. I think I was due, I think I was due for something kind of big. And it's just unfortunate that, that it came now. But um, man, it's just, it's been part of the story. It really has. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm ready to go now, but it's been, it's been a long, a long road with this thing. And I've had tons of support between trainers, doctors, therapists, and, you know, even like psychologists, like sports psychologists and, and stuff like that. It's been, it's been pretty cool. So yeah, I know that's a, a long, uh, long answer. And now today I'm ready to go in the free agency. Um, we're talking to a lot of teams at the top right now is Seattle again and uh, Baltimore and Houston. Baltimore and Houston wanted to bring me in uh, for workouts, but as you know, the, the coronavirus has kind of gotten in the way of free agency a little bit. So that's a bummer. It would have been nice to get in for, for these workouts, but uh, I, I made a little highlight, like a seven and a half minute highlight video of me training and doing drills and stuff. So we sent that out to all 32 teams. So <laughs> it's kind of feels like I'm back in high school, you know, creating these highlight tapes and stuff and sending them out to teams, but I'm ready to go. And I know it's going to happen. It's just a matter of, of when, and then it's, it's just another chance to, to prove myself. 
Yeah, you've clearly gone through another process of growing in a time where you didn't always know the future, but you've made your way through it. And I want to kind of focus on that quote you mentioned of hell, knowing basically your lost potential of who you are, met who you could have been. So when you look at that quote and you examine your own life and the things you've been through and who you yet want to be, where do you want to develop? What sort of version of Dustin Stanton are you working towards right now? Yeah, it's crazy. It's been such an ego thing, almost. Like, I, I'm, I'm big on gurus and, and this sort of thing, like with meditation and visualization. And um, there's a lot of talk of, like, like the, the death of the ego, right? Like, we're very, this society is very egotistical. And it's kind of about the materialistic things and, like, you know, who I am on a surface level, how I look. And throughout this process, especially where I am now, this isn't a story about me anymore. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm a man of, of faith. So God, the universe, energy, whatever, whatever we, whatever it is, it's like a, it's a story of that, or maybe the human spirit, right? It's, it's no longer like about me. It's about, this is the path that I've been given. This is, this, these are the traits. These are the skills that I've been given character that I've become or, or have been given, what am I going to do with that? Not for me, but how can that inspire people and motivate people and influence people, whatever they're going through, you know, to keep, to keep going and to like trust and have faith or, or know when to, to jump. Right. And so that's really what it's all about for me, no matter what I'm doing. And I kind of have like a, I call it my, like, I literally call it my purpose. Uh, which is kind of like my mission statement for who I am. And I read that every day. And it's it's basically, no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm a 10-year NFL vet, or if you know I own a gym or, or whatever, I have a normal job, that mission statement is to to motivate, inspire, and influence people to find their true potential, especially when they don't see it themselves. And it is kind of cliche, but it's about finding your passion and really going after it, you know? Otherwise, what are, you, what are you doing in life, right? So yeah, I mean, that's really what it is, no matter what I'm doing. And I would like to think this path that I'm on is to make it in, in the NFL, whatever that means, you know, like find, find those goals. I mean, the ultimate goal for me is to be a starting lineman in the NFL, you know, one of the 53 men on, on that roster. And I even have, you know, I have crazy goals that are all laid out. I've got Pro Bowl goals and, and how I'm going to get there and, and that sort of thing, you know? So it's like, if you're not... If you're not aiming, aiming for the stars, then, then you should be aiming at all. So, I, you know, it, it, goes, it goes deep. And that's really where, where, I'm, where I'm living, what I'm thinking. Yeah, no matter what it is, it's, it's, always, it's going to always be to help, to help people and, and, and inspire, motivate, and influence them. Well, you've got a lot on your plate, Pro Bowl goals, and then a lot, I'm sure, after that. And you've got that business administration degree, the option in entrepreneurship. Uh, Red, you want to own and operate a brewery, at least at one point was a goal. So there's a whole lot in your future, both football and, and otherwise, that you've got left to come. So I wish the best for you, and I think you're going to be successful. Dustin, thanks so much for your time. I hope you stay healthy and have a chance with whatever NFL team, I'm sure, will give you a look and hope you can stay there for a long time and, and whatever else comes professionally after that. It's awesome to hear how you've grown as a person and how these things have affected you and your maturity and your foresight is, is pretty fun to hear. So thanks so much for coming on the podcast with me. Awesome, man. Thanks, Josh. I appreciate it. You know, as fun as it is to talk with, say, a current Oregon State athlete, 
the interviews with guys a few years removed from their careers, even Dustin, who only finished his career about four years ago at Oregon State, the ability to reflect on what he's been through and the decisions like changing positions is so much more fun because they've had time to realize where that story was going. If I had talked to him soon after changing to offensive line, I'm sure his answers would have been a lot more unclear and still uncertain if he even wanted to be an offensive lineman. But now we can look back and see that change led to an NFL opportunity. It led to starting for two and a half years for Oregon State, and he didn't know it at the time. He didn't want that at the time, and yet it was a blessing that he, he didn't think he wanted. That's why I love to have these conversations with these athletes, regardless of the sport. We also talked a lot more about the 2016 Civil War that I didn't actually include in this podcast, saving all that audio for a different project specifically on that game. So stay tuned for that as well. My thanks to Dustin Stanton for joining me on the Beaver Tales podcast. As always, getting a lot more interviews scheduled already, so the episodes will not stop. Please let someone else know if you enjoyed this podcast. If you've got a Beaver fan in your life and you think they may like to uh, hear where these athletes have gone, send a text, reach out, and uh, let someone know about the Beaver Tales podcast. I'm Josh Warden. As always, go Beavers.